everybody. Welcome to episode 17 of NPC Talk. My name is Inkernaut, and today I have my very first local cast for NPC Talk. And so I am here with a very dear friend, Parker. Hello. Hey there, Chris. Hello. Um, so, okay, here on NPC Talk, we like to call each other by our gamer tags. So what would your gamer tag be? Oh, putting me on the spot like that. Already. You know, I've always been partial to Argonaut. And that was partially because of you, Oh, it is. Oh, I just had to have something that fit the mold. Okay. That's what I went with. Argonaut. Let's go with it. And uh, as a special bonus to our local cast today, we we have our very own live audience with another very special friend, Kristen, in the background. Hi. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how well you can hear her, but if there is, uh, you know, any background commentary, then it is from our very own live audience. She will be willing to call me out on my <laughs> idiocracy. <laughs> oh, man. I am... Let me tell you, as a live cast, this is very different from what I'm used to. We are here in person. I can touch you. It's very personal. I know. I am very close to Parker because we only have one microphone. <laughs> Um, it is warm in here. We have the AC going, but it is not strong enough, but I love it. He's got this rig going and all these monitors. (laughs) Oh man, it's just too many bodies. Oh, I love it. (laughs) All right. I don't know if you know this, Parker, but for our first time guest on NPC Talk, we like to ask what your top three games are. I've been studying up on your format. I'm I'm ready. (laughs) All right. Before, before I get into that. Please tell us a, a little bit about yourself as a gamer. As a gamer, I was a late start. My mother did not like me playing games, which is known to my local friends here for have, a long time. I have a story about that. We, we will get into that after this. <laughs> but anyways, I did start with uh, Sega Genesis, weirdly enough. I oh. think that was different than everyone else I've been hearing. Yeah. So I had all the Sonic games and not much else because... I don't even know what else is on the Genesis. I know there are some sweet games, but I just know I didn't play many of them. <laughs> so I had Sega Genesis, and then I moved on to N64. And that was the first console I bought myself, and then I just stuck with Nintendo from then on. Also because Sega pretty died. Died hard. Died hard. Yes, uh... <laughs> yeah. We, we all still love Sonic, though. Mm-hmm. The Blue Hedgehog. I do like lots of Sonic games, but we will not be talking about that today Ooh. in my top list here. All right. All right. So, before we get into this, I have a story about Mr. Parker and how his mom hates video games. And so, we... So, we, in high school, I think late high school or maybe early college, uh, it was early college, we were all playing Maple Story together, and... Um, you know, it, it wasn't like we were, like, serious or anything, but... we were top one game. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, like, we were just, like, playing it for fun, whatever. Um, and so Parker was... Parker was home alone um, back at his parents' house from the summer, and he was playing Maple Story, and his his mom comes into the into the house, right? And so Parker's like, oh, God, you know, I have to, like, finish this quest or something, so he's still playing Maple Story, still playing Maple Story, and his mom comes into his bedroom and Parker shuts off the monitor so that so that he doesn't know what Parker's mom is 
or so Parker's mom doesn't see, you know, what he's doing, right? And so Parker turns around and goes, you know, oh, hey, mom, like, you know, what's up? And then she goes, oh, hey, Parker, you know, I, I just got home, so I wanted to say hi. And Parker goes, okay, that's cool. And, and his mom, as she's about to leave, she turns around, she's like, uh, you weren't watching any, you know, adult videos, were you? And Parker goes, what? Oh, no, not at all. And then we were telling, when Parker tells us the story, we were saying that um, it might have just been better to say yes instead of her knowing that he was playing Maple Story because he probably would have gotten it in less trouble from it. Oh. <laughs> Those are weird days, man. <laughs> yes, Mom, I was watching porn. I was not playing video games, I swear. <laughs> forbid. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's golden. Classic my mother. <laughs> um... All right, so, top three, Parker. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Okay, so first, I'm not going to do my exact top three, because we have talked about a couple of these games, so I want to talk about a couple that I really enjoy playing. This will definitely be a top ten, at least. A lot okay. of them are pretty close to the top. I know Josh grabbed one of my top games, so I'll skip on that one, but we'll go up from there. Are you ready for the first one? Oh, let's hear it. All right. Golden Sun for the Game Boy Advance. Yes. An old classic. Oh. So much talking. So many nodding heads. <laughs> All right. Um, so if you guys don't know, Golden Sun is a series. There's two Game Boy Advance games, Golden Sun 1, Golden Sun 2, and then a DS game, Golden Sun Dark Dawn? Yeah. Dust we will not Dawn? be talking about that. <laughs> um, so uh, tell us... Uh, which one's your favorite? How do you like the series as a whole? Um, and then we'll kind of, you know, focus in on the games you like the most. So the original two Game Boy Advance games were really made as one game. Yep. Camelot was pretty ambitious when they made it, and it was just so big that they ended up splitting it in two. Mm-hmm. That's why the games are so continued. They have a lot of the same uh, elements, weapons, everything is very similar. And it links up perfectly with a password that just continues your save from the first game. Mm-hmm. So, that said, the first part is the classic part that I've played a lot of. But the second part was the continuation and finishing of the story for that one that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, speaking of the continuation part, Golden Sun 1 and 2 is, in a way, like a mini Mass Effect. Because, okay, it has nothing to do with uh, decision-making, changing the story. But your save... There's a lot of decision-making that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Yeah, there's a a lot of that, like... uh, Do you agree? Yes, no. And you're like, no. And they're like, oh, too bad. (laughs) You agree. (laughs) Like, oh, stop kidding. (laughs) Um, But the save from Golden Sun 1 can move on to uh, number 2. Yes. And then, I don't know how that system worked exactly, because you got your own party members, but... Right. In the first game, you had the party of four... And then for the second game, you get a new party of four, but halfway through the second game, you get the original party members back. Right. And if you linked up your save files, when you started the next game and you linked up from the first one, you got your party down to exactly what they had, what their level, experience, everything exactly the same. So they just took the party from the first game and dropped it into your second party. Yeah. And then they were, like, really strong because it was from your first game. (laughs) No, the one that you overleveled... (laughs) <laughs> You're supposed to you beat the first game at like level twenty five or something, and I power level to to sixty. <laughs> Took a lot of grinding. 
<laughs> for not a lot of payoff. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so, so you said you like the first two Golden Suns a lot, and the Game Boy Advance ones, the DS one. Well, let's just touch on it really quick. Okay. The second one, it it was so long after the first two came out that it was kind of made as a we want to be the same and at the same time they wanted to start a new like series going mm-hmm. but they used up all the ideas from the first game <laughs> they at the end of the game you already had the eight party members it was everyone that you met in the first two games you got the ultimate weapon already and you defeated all the big bads there were a couple cliffhangers but it was just like oh i guess that's an afterthought yeah type of thing yeah uh yeah the just like really quick the game was terrible um, it was the gameplay was kind of like uninspired. Um, there were a lot of missables. You can miss uh, Dijin, which we'll get into. Which is the worst part of a JRPG. Yeah. If you guys didn't know, this is a straight up role playing, a turn based action. Yeah. RPG. It, it is your your classic JRPG, and it is fantastic. <laughs> Attack, the first two. defend, yeah. magic, etc. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the DS one just uh, it was just poorly done. It didn't have the same like epicness it, there were a lot of missables and just things that you didn't want in the game and they just gave it to you because the first two games i don't know didn't have them even though they were bad i don't i don't know it, it wasn't that it was terrible it was just i think it was the same but it was out so late when you expected so much innovation that it was just kind of stale almost i thought it sucked <laughs> <laughs> i will give it props because i do love the first two so much i mean i replayed the first two a couple times they do show their age. Sometimes the hmm. dialogue just grinds on, and you're just like, oh my god. <laughs> it's been like two minutes, and they haven't said anything except random shit. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get back to the good stuff. Uh, Golden Sun, it's JRPG, came out in 2001 for the Game Boy Advance, and Golden Sun 2 also came out for the Game Boy Advance. I don't know what year. It was not terribly long. I think it was near the end of the Game Boy Advance cycle. Yeah. If I remember right. Something like that. Anyways, it came out afterwards, and it was just a continuation of the story, and that's what I like so much, is that it was just one giant adventure that you got to do. 2002 in Japan. Interesting. We're not Japan. It takes so long. For 2000, us 2003 in oh. America. Oh, that's not so bad. Localization now is mm-hmm. not nearly that good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what do you like about Golden Sun 1 and 2? It's definitely not the dialogue anymore, let me tell you. It did not age well. But at the start when I was playing it, it wasn't for that. It was for the collectibles and the battles. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more in this... I felt than a lot of the other RPGs that I've played. Because not only do you get weapons for every class, and there's not quite classes, but we'll even go into that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's weapons for everyone, there's magic for everyone's um, setup. I forget what they called it. It was your class? Was um, class? Anyways, there was magic for every setup of class, which was determined by the djinn that you got, which are the little magic fairy genie guys who were just little cutesy guys for all four elements mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is the classic uh, earth, wind, fire, and water yeah, yeah. set up so uh, yeah why don't you go into really quick how the whole like 
Jin, Dijin, I don't know. Oh, yeah, it was set up? Yeah, the whole setup. Every it. character had an element that they were part of. So you had, in all the games, you have a f- earth guy, a fire person, water, and a wind. And with them, you can equip the Jin that you find, and mm-hmm. each Jin has an element as well, the earth, wind, fire, water. So if you put all the earth ones on your earth guy, he becomes super strong in earth, he can take any earth attack, yep. and he gets really cool earth abilities. But if you put fire Jin on the Earth guy, he gets a whole different set of magic, class abilities, stats, growths, and it just changes how he plays or the character plays. And it was cool because there was it was set up, you know, there was the normal, there was the person who was really good at magic, there was mm-hmm. the one who's definitely the brute tank guy. <laughs> But if you change around the Jin, you can change them. So you can turn this slow tank guy you get, Garrett, who's the fire guy, who just was there to take hits and be slow. Yeah. And then you put him all with wind Jin, and all of a sudden he becomes a ninja. Or <laughs> really? Knows, he goes really fast. I've never done that. It sounds amazing. That's that was a fun gameplay when you just don't put the correct element on the characters <laughs> and just try different things. What? That's awesome. The second game was pretty good about that. Usually you find. Like, in order, you find one of each gen of each element. So you yeah. can keep all your characters stacked up. But the game was set up that you couldn't put all the gen on one character and have another one have two. Everyone has to be equal, or mm-hmm. as close to equal as you can. So if you get an unbalanced number of elemental gen, all of a sudden your guys are unbalanced How if you would want them to be straight earth to earth. Yeah, yeah. And... Jin were also cool because not only were they a way to change around your abilities and your class, but they themselves were a type of spell. Each yep. Jin did a different ability, attack, defense, barrier, revives, healing. They did everything. And you could use them in battle, but when you used them, they went away and they took their boost to your character away. Mm-hmm. So you had to think about it. If you wanted to use the strong attack, will it turn your ruffian back to a lowly brute who can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the trade-off for that is the more Jin you use, the more that are just kind of in the cloud hanging out, and then you can summon them in the giant fun animations yeah. that really were pretty on a Nintendo <laughs> Game Boy Advance. Yeah, yeah. There were some really cool summons in that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so the magic system was called Synergy. It's spelled with a P-S-Y, so like P-S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y. Um, and it's just like magic. It was just straight up, just magic. But it was supposed to be like mind magic. There's these guys are, they're not called mages, they're adepts. Mm. Oh, yeah. So it was that they can control everything with their minds. So it was kind of going that more Jedi feel where you kind of are thinking instead of actually just like controlling the elements. Yeah, yeah, thinking yeah. the things to do. Yeah, and so that uh, that brings up another part of the gameplay, which is the overworld puzzles Mm -hmm. um so you were able to um how do i put it you're able to use certain synergy spells outside of battle to um kind of move around obstacles and it just added another layer to like the neat dungeon puzzles that you usually see yeah every dungeon every room was like a different puzzle yeah and it was fun some of them were really clever and unique and fun to solve and then some you just knew exactly what to do and it's so (laughs) satisfying to just power through yeah yeah, so, like, you would have spells like lift, so if you, like, need to, like, I don't know, lift something heavy or push. Lift a rock to get past it or, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, I don't remember most of them. There's, like, force. There's some pretty neat ones. 
Um, the second game had a lot of really cool ones. Yeah. The first one was very just classic, if you were using telekinesis type of things. Lift, push, yep. pull, catch, grabbing stuff from afar. But the second game, you had like bomb abilities, um, <laughs> yeah. burst stuff. There were some other cool ones. But yeah, each of those abilities were also based around the element as well. So you would use Whirlwind from a wind yeah. guy to do solve puzzles. Or um, there were some water, like freezing pillars of ice to jump on them to get further. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Freezing light. puddles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the very first dungeon in that game. I could not figure that out. I was <laughs> stuck in that. I almost called Nintendo Hotline. <laughs> that was this was like before internet was super awesome. This was that long ago. Yeah. yeah. So I was like I was like ready to call Nintendo Hotline. That's <laughs> one like like fourteen year old. I was like I need I just how do I might get out of this puzzle and yeah. Nice, nice, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So you can think of them like HMs in Pokemon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Overworld using abilities. Yeah, yeah. Right, Kristen. <laughs> And it's like, of, like, of course you bring up Pokemon. <laughs> one of the greats. Parker's one true love. Po- Pokemon is just the classic. Yeah. Um, let me think. <laughs> what was I going to say? <laughs> Try and just move on. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the battle system, you had a lot of different options of what you could do. You could attack. You could use magic. Yeah. You could defend. You can use the Jin. You could use... A, a summon from the Jin. Yep, yep. You could, uh, in the second game, you could also swap out characters from your rear party. Oh, yeah. And that that was probably the best part of the second game, is when you had your full eight party members, and you were really strong, and you drew in those super end-level bosses. And they had they added this ability that made it so you had to swap out characters. The oh. Jin Drain. It was the one where it took all your set to Jin and put them on recovery mode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you, after you use a Jin, they go into the cloud, and then when you summon them, they go into recovery. So not only can you not summon them again, but they're not attached to your character for uh, however many turns. And every turn, you get one called back to you, so you become stronger. Mm-hmm. So these end bosses would put all your guys on recovery. So it take your high-level Slayer and turn him into a little Squire again. Mm, so yeah, you had to swap him out so he could recover his Jin and send in the rear party. Oh. So it kind of, that while it was really irritating attack of the enemies, it was so that you could swap out your party members and mm. just constantly had a flux. And it was just kind of cool, because like in the first game, you were set with Isaac, Garrett, Ivan, Mia in that lineup the whole time. And in the second game, all of a sudden, you have weird setups. You could have Isaac be the third one, and then Felix maybe the fourth one instead. Oh, and it just it ends up being that they're just being swapped around so much that it, the party is just so fluid at that point. Also, like Pokemon, swapping <laughs> in and out. <laughs> uh, we will not be talking about Pokemon today, as much as some of uh, Chris's viewers who know me would assume I would be. Uh, that was too low hanging fruit, even for me. <laughs> yeah, Pokemon's beautiful. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I want to get into, um, I guess, kind of like the overall feel and theme of Golden Sun. So, uh, to start with, the game itself, from like the start of the game to finishing the story, just like the basic going through the game, the game itself is, I would not say it's very hard. Uh, it's by no means, uh, it's kind of easy. There's, a, there's some tricky puzzles and some tricky battles, but overall it's... Um, 
it's it's never like a struggle to beat a battle. You're always like super strong, and everything just seems to like flow pretty uh, pretty easily. And for some, they'd be like, "Oh, you know, I don't want to play this. I want like a challenge." And if you want like a really hard challenge, you know, like go play Dark Souls because Golden Sun is like not that kind of game. <laughs> um, but because of it, it really adds to the charm of Golden Sun. Um, kind of like jumping back and forth, it goes into the theme of Golden Sun, which the the minute you fire up the game, they they play epic theme music. They show you epic JRPG graphics. Uh, you your characters look awesome. Uh, the people you fight look cool, and you beat the crap out of them. And so you're going through the whole game, and everything feels epic. You're on a really cool adventure, and the world the world that you're in is really bright. It's very uh, colorful. A lot of a lot of really cool things happen, and um, just being in that bright world and in that epic adventure, you really I really got into the game. Like I really felt immersed into their world, and like wow, like. I just want to venture forth, kick butt, um, and you know do cool things, and that's exactly what they went for. They didn't have like the hard battles for you to like lose that adventure momentum, but they really kept onto that classical JRPG theme and the epicness that comes with the adventure. And it, it's that's my favorite part of the game. Like they did a phenomenal job um, keeping keeping up with that theme. Yeah, uh, I agree with everything you said. <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh... I just want to go home and play it now. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, the the worst part about this podcast is that I have the my backlog of games was like you know this and then Metroid Prime and then it got to like Mass Effect, Golden Sun, Shadow of the Colossus and I'm like oh I just got to play all of these games now. That's bravely default. Wait, going. you haven't played Shadows of the Colossus? Shut up! <laughs> it's on my list. Do it. <laughs> bravely default. Um. Without spoiling too much, I am on chapter five, and um, and the big ah, the big twist didn't happen, but a big part of the story already happened, and I don't know what's going on, and I am so excited to play it. I've been playing it um, on my weekends instead of hanging out with my friends <laughs> because it was it's, it's become really epic the past couple of weeks. I am excited for you to beat it because we will have to talk about it. Yes, and. The trailer for the second game is out. Do not watch it, okay? Because it spoils the first game. Oh, okay. But it's like really exciting because of that. <laughs> okay. Oh man. Oh, okay. Yes, I am so excited for Brave- Bravely Second. We will have a Bravely Default episode. Um, Speaking of awesome JRPGs that kind of just bring back the mold, that that's a fun one. Oh yeah, Bravely Default is the. Uh, it, it's like. The spiritual successor of Golden Sun. It does the. I. I mean, there's a whole bunch of differences. <laughs> the spiritual successor to everything that you love. Yeah, yeah. It, it does a great job of being a JRPG, basically. <laughs> um, part of part of this local cast is that when when Parker and I just got really excited about Bravely Default, we got really excited. Like we were like, we were like fanning ourselves and like oh, this mercy. huge like stupid grin on our faces, and we see it like like on these online. On the Skype casts, uh, no one no one has to see my stupid face. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of sad. New. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, Golden Sun. <laughs> that one is in my top three. Oh, okay. Not not even in top ten. That's actually in my top three. Yeah, 
um, in high school, Parker could go on for hours about <laughs> about his adventures in Golden Sun. Yeah, good times. It was great. Good times. Um, so let's uh, talk about the story a little bit. It's it's nothing uh, new, I guess. It's like not typical. at all. It's just ancient place had these cool relics and bad guys get in they steal said relics and they're trying to (sighs) at first it's supposed to be that they're trying to destroy the world by going to these lighthouses and lighting them for each element and then it turns around and they're actually trying to save the world by doing that so it kind of brings like a fun dynamic between your old party who's trying to stop this and the new party that's trying to do it (coughs) <coughs> oh, sorry. Um, so, spoiler yeah. alert. Uh, it's a 15-year-old game. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like okay. I said, we play it for the puzzles and the overworld and the fun. Right. I forgot about that part of the story. That was awesome. That was actually really cool. When, like at, at the Jupiter Lighthouse in the second yeah. game, when both parties meet up and they're like, why are you doing this? We were friends. Yeah, yeah. And they have their powwow, and everyone's happy. Spoilers! Spoilers! Spoilers, <laughs> Spoilers guys. <laughs> I hope it wasn't too late. <laughs> Again, we've we've gone past the Game Boy Advance by two consoles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and overall, the story is pretty um, typical. It's JRPGs. <laughs> It's it's not it's not like a later Final Fantasy story where you just don't know what's going on or heaven forbid Kingdom Hearts style. Kristen's favorite. I know <laughs> lots about Kingdom Hearts story. Just kidding, I have no idea what's going yeah, on. Nobody knows. <laughs> There's eight games and nobody knows what this game is about. <laughs> um like that's all I'm gonna say. It is um oh, okay. Top three Kristen? Another time, Chris. Oh, okay. It's Kingdom Hearts, though. It is. <laughs> oh, it's all Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts 1, 2, and 3, even though it's not out yet. <laughs> no, it's some of the weird card game version ones. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Chain of Memories. Oh, yeah, that one. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Classic. <laughs> I liked it. It was fun. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, are there any... Last words about Golden Sun before we move on? No, I mean, it's just one of those games. It was like a comfort game. I played yes. it a lot. I yes. It a lot. Comfort game. I, it, is, it is the game where if you're just not in the mood to like stress out for two hours about something, you can just go to Golden Sun and have fun. All the lighthouses had really fun puzzles, and yeah. you could just power through them. And that's what Chris was saying with the normal random encounters. They weren't that difficult, so you just kind of... You just kind of got through them and kept doing the puzzles. Yes. But at least the, a lot of the bosses were fun. They weren't. It wasn't like they were challenging, but they, at least they were satisfying. They were fun, yeah. Um, they weren't, like, you know, so easy that, you know, you would just, like... Auto-attack. Yeah, auto-attack. You would, you'd still have to, like, do some, like, simple, like, vision strategies and healing and barrier stuff. But, um... Yeah, but, I mean, you, you'll you still win, though, yeah. at the end of the day. One of the fun things to do is, usually in games like this, magic is not the best, but you can do a full gameplay of Golden Sun just using magic, mm. and yeah. that was a lot of fun, because I didn't use spells that often, because Tijin were really strong, and oh. so were summons, and 
while walking around the overworld, your magic restores, which is not true of a lot of JRPGs. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you were, it was not that big of a deal to use magic just mm-hmm. in battle. So if you ever play it again, just do a full magic run, and it kind of changes it. Okay. Everyone's just using Sirengy instead. See, I... I appreciate that so much because in Bravely Default, I have zero MP all the time, and it is so irritating. Yes. <laughs> That's classic style, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, uh, we'll get into it in the Bravely Default episode, but they do it on purpose because you know it because all the ethers and the turbo ethers are so expensive on the item shops, and mm. you're like, this is planned. You know <laughs> we were going to run out. <sighs> okay, yeah. So Golden Sun... I love that game. Super fun. Figured it would be fun to talk to you about it, too. Ah, great choice. Um, I'm also going to name my kid Isaac because of that game. <laughs> <laughs> Why not Felix? Felix is a fun name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to any Felixes out there. It is actually a cool name. You have an X in your name. <laughs> yeah, Felix is cool. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's move on. What else do you got for us, Parker? Um, let's go... Two. I'm gonna do Wind Waker now, because oh. I do love me some Wind Waker. Oh man, this oh. is Zelda. Yes, The Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker, my personal favorite Zelda. My second favorite Zelda, but we will talk more about Majora's Mask, my definite favorite, during the Zelda podcast. Yes, I have lots to say. <laughs> we um, yeah, we have a Zelda podcast uh, planned out. And Parker was the last interview piece that we wanted to put together before um, we get together. And so... Rude. Are you? Yes. Going to be on? I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> this live audience thing is not working out right now. <laughs> I, I did not know that. Oh, we, we have one more interview we need to do before we can do our Zelda episode. Oh, am I red? I'm a little red right now. <laughs> um, so Wind Waker. Um, yes, so, what do you love about Wind Waker? What I love about Wind Waker is what I didn't like at first. Oh. So, we got Wind Waker, it was, it was pretty much this next game after Ocarina of Time. As much as I love Majora's Mask, that one was kind of missed by the mainstream. It went from Ocarina to Wind Waker in the mainstream Zeldaverse type thing. Yeah. Like, that the normal, everyday player would see. So everyone was still high as hell on Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Just the way... I mean, for good reason. Ocarina of Time is really fun. It's got great visuals. It's got a class of Zelda story. And yeah. it's just great. And yeah. then we get... We had during that 1E3 that weird tech demo of Link sword fighting with... I don't know if it was with Gandorf or if it was with a, like, Stalfos or something. I did not see that. It was just like a high-res Ocarina of Time. So everyone was like, oh, new Zelda's coming! Yeah, look how sick it is! (laughs) And then they're like, oh, and this is the game we're going to give you now. And they gave us the cute, uh, cel-shaded Wind Waker. Yeah. Which was not what everyone was expecting, so everyone was not excited about it. Yes. I can say I was not excited about it either. But that's the charm of the game. As you started playing it, Link was no longer just the Ocarina of Time Link where he just kind of did everything and he was the extension of you. He actually had a character in Wind Waker. Yeah. He looked around, he made a lot of noises, he yelled at people. He was just more fun. And mm-hmm. that was the charm of it. It was, it was 
he was on an adventure and you felt it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say, so when I first heard of Wind Waker and the cel-shaded um, animation style, I, I was already pretty big into cel-shade, so I was like, okay, I can deal with it. But I did not like that it was, um, what we call him Toon Link now, but he's basically like Young Link, but more cartoonish. But he's still Young Link. Uh, um, the Toon Link name came out years after he was originally. Yeah, yeah, it came out wow. way later. Probably for Smash. It was for Brawl, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> Not my favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not top three, guys. <laughs> um, we... Um, yeah, so Toon Link was kind of young Link, and I wanted, like, the cool, like, adult Link, you know, who, like, you know, looks more, like, suave and stuff. But oh, he's got his earring, and he's got his sweet armor, and yeah. his tunic, and he's got chainmail on her. Yeah, yeah, he looks so cool. Even though it didn't really look like an ocarina. He actually did, I think, in the artwork. You were, like, ready for Twilight Princess Link. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's what everyone was expecting, Twilight Princess. Love this Stop. live audience. Um, <laughs> um... Yes, but, um, but we ended up with Toon Link, and what was really cool, as Parker's saying, is that Toon Link conveyed emotions, but um, in a very subtle yet obvious way. He, because of the cell shaded style, he was they were able to give his face, you know, um, a lot cartoonier look, and because of that look, his his eyes especially were able to like be wider you know, for surprise, or kind of, like, squint if he wasn't, like, sure or angry about something. Look at things that might be important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of just direct your attention to it. Yeah, he had, like, uh, like mouth, mouth expressions, and, um, and, you know, there were some sounds he would make, like, more, like, expression sounds, uh, like, surprise and stuff, but, um, yeah, it was just really cool to be able to have what's usually a silent protagonist be still mostly silent protagonist, but, um... I mean, he never talked or anything still, but did he? Not much, but he said some things. I- I'll talk about it in a second. Okay, okay, Go okay. On. But, um, but, yeah, but then he still, he, he just became his own character. It was, it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, considering on with the emotions, uh, something that Ocarina of Time had is that Link met a lot of people when he was a kid, and then when he grew up, they were important because they were sages mm-hmm. type of thing. But, I mean, they're characters that you meet twice. Once as a kid, and then once when you're an adult. The difference with Wind Waker is you met a lot of people, and you kept meeting them, and kept interacting with them. Mm -hmm. So, like, the two sages that you end up hanging out with were the one from the kids. Oh, Kristen's already excited. Makar? Makar and, um... Oh, what was the girl's name? Bird. The little bird girl. (laughs) Yeah, you met them as in the first part of the game, when you're getting the pearls... And they're the ones who you're hanging out with. You go through a, two dungeons with them as a kid. You go through the Forest Temple and the Dragon Roost mm. Temple. They're around you the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then, after you get the Master Sword and you need to power it up again, you go back to the temples, and then you realize that the sages you need are those two same characters. And then you have to go back, and then they hang out with you more going through the second dungeon, mm. where you also can kind of control them and you can kind of yell at them. That's what the talking... The, Come on! Oh, yeah, yeah, And then yeah, they yeah, come yeah. Ru- they come shuffling uh, over, uh, and the car uh, comes uh, wiggling over with his little <laughs> bells. <laughs> and they brought a whole new level, because you could also play as them a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, With yeah. the Wind Waker baton, you could control them for a little bit, and 
help them. They would help you solve puzzles as mm-hmm. well. You could throw the bird girl and she'd fly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's a bird. Makar didn't though. He just felt like a brick. Yeah. Poor Makar. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped Makar a lot of places. By <laughs> <My> accident. <laughs> but the uh, same deal with that. The uh, your the the boat. The King of Red Lions, he was a constant character that you're talking with, that he wasn't like a navvy who just said random nothingness at you. <laughs> just said one lines, and then it's like, hey, you should do this, or you should do that in Ocarina. And uh, Wind Waker, the boat is like, I, you know, I think this is probably for the best that we do it this way, yeah, yeah. or we have to help you be it stronger. So it kind of, he was more of a character than navvy. Yeah, yeah. And same with everything, everyone else you met in the game. You kind of meet them and then you reinteract with them. Same thing. Oh, her with name was Medley, by the way. Oh, Medley, oh yeah, 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 little bird girl. Um, Tetra and the pirates. Mm-hmm. They're re- reoccurring characters, important characters too. I don't know if we should throw out spoilers for this one. Yeah, I'm just... <laughs> but Tetra is Zelda, so <laughs> <laughs> that was the spoiler warning, by the way, guys. <laughs> But you interacted with her when she was Tetra as the pirate, and you're hanging out, you did a couple different games with them, and then later she's important to the story in that case. Mm-hmm. And the same, it's kind of, whereas Ocarina felt very, you're going on this journey alone, mm-hmm. Wind Waker, you never really felt alone. Yeah. Every dungeon, uh. you kind of had someone hanging out with you, doing something, even the final fight, which is the reason this is one of my top three fair games because the final fight in Wind Waker is one of the most beautiful, fun, just epic showdowns ever. Yeah. The uh, the the battle system in general for that game was phenomenal. The final fight was super phenomenal. <laughs> <sighs> just, we're, I mean, we're going to throw out spoilers. I don't, I don't yeah. care. You're, <laughs> you're fighting underwater on the top of... Not Hyrule Castle, but you're on top of Ganon's Castle in yeah. Old Hyrule, which is under the water. But you're in like a time-saved bubble yep. of yep. air, and you're fighting Ganon for control of Hyrule and the Triforce. Ganon wants to wish it back to the surface so he can be in power again and owning it, mm-hmm. and you don't want that to happen. So you and Zelda are facing off, and you're fighting him for a while, and also... I don't remember if it was in the middle of the fight or at the beginning that the king shows up. I I want to say it's, it was early on. I think it was at the beginning of the fight. No, no, it definitely was. The okay, king, yeah, yeah. the Triforce is there, which does the wishes, and the king shows up before Ganon could touch it and wish it to the surface, and he tells the Triforce that his wish is to drown Hyrule because its time has passed, mm. and it's time for the people up on the surface to live. So you're having this fight while Hyrule is being drowned. Mm-hmm. Water is falling all around. But Ganon has nothing to lose at this point. So he just wants to stop these meddling kids now. Shinkies, <laughs> <laughs> indeed. <laughs> and another thing about theme of that game. It was all cutesy and fun up until the final blow. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when you have this game that's very adorable and cute and the final hit for the bad guys plunging the sword into his face. You know something is really fun. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that, that was brutal. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, really quick. Wind Waker came out for GameCube in 2002. Well, that's surprising. For Japan, 2003 in America. 
Um, yeah, uh, okay. Okay. I just want to really quick talk about Beetle. Beetle the Bard, right? Thank you. Okay, yes. He, he <laughs> does that. He, and... Uh, he's by no means a big character. He's like, he was after Wind Waker. I think every Zelda game has him now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was just like the shop owner in a boat, and you would like run into him in the sea, and uh, and he would basically just say two things, which was "thank you" after you buy something, and then like "bye." And, and it was, I loved it. He was my favorite character. <sighs> Yeah, Beetle was really fun. See another one. You're never alone with Beetle around. Yeah. You gotta get your little uh, pears to feed the seagulls so you can fly around. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, it's actually interesting um, that you talk about, uh, like, the idea of loneliness because in Wind Waker, there's more barren traveling. That is true. Than... So it is kind of a... Yeah, but you're not alone through the whole thing because you still have the the king of... Right, you have the king of your alliance. But in what Chris is saying is that the, you're always with someone, but the landscape is just... It's China Ocean. Yeah. You're, yep. you're just going from one area to another, and you're just sailing. So there's long stretches where you're sailing, and you're not really talking to anyone, but there the music's playing, and you're having fun, you have some yep. seagulls around you. Sharks. The sharks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. it's actually really interesting, because I... You would tra- you would literally travel in the ocean for like fifteen minutes, and like I never felt alone. Like it 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 was always like oh like you know I'm I'm with my boat like I'm I have waves and birds and sunshine and it was like oh this is so nice. But then like in Ocarina of Time you had Epona, but I, she never felt like um, I don't know. I mean you, you had there were other characters in Ocarina, but you were really just doing everything on your own. Yeah, you. They kind of all felt like they were kind of, like, their own, doing their own thing. And, you know, they would help you, but, you know, they, I don't know, they were just so, like, there's such an isolated personality. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it was just, to compare the two art styles, and then it's kind of, that's how it is. Yeah. The pretty bright colors versus kind of the normal dark tones. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, another thing that people, uh criticized Wind Waker 4 was the traveling and the overworld we had a very love-hate relationship with people some yeah. people you and I Kristen as well we loved it yeah, I, I, there's something really satisfying about just sailing yeah some people were like oh, I just want to get to the next place mm-hmm. but the whole game was just about it was about the journey man. yeah yes <laughs> exactly let me tell you when I played Wind Waker um, I, it would be every day after school in high school, I would go home, I would, and no one else was home because my brother played sports, <laughs> jock, um, <laughs> my parents were still working, so I would come home, I would be home alone, I would fire up the GameCube by myself, and then I would sail for 15 minutes, and during those 15 minutes, I would heat up a pizza pocket or a frozen burrito, mm-hmm. And then I would eat said pizza pocket or burrito while sailing, and it was just the most serene thing ever, and it makes me so happy to think about pizza pockets and sailing in Wind Waker together. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. Yeah. And they re-released it with the Wii U, 
And that was one of the things they did address is the few vocal people who thought sailing took too long, they made the super sale or the Mm -hmm. double time sale. So it just sailed faster. So, I mean, it fixed some of the issues that some people had, but it's still there. (laughs) Speaking of another issue that was in it was the Triforce Gathering. (laughs) So Wind Waker didn't have as many dungeons as other Zelda games, Mm -hmm. but they made up for it with the size of the world and that each island was fun and unique and had activities to do on it, but also the journey to get the Triforce, which was sometimes a hassle, mostly because of how much money you needed. Sometimes? (laughs) <laughs> so the deal was you had you had you got the map with the Triforce maps on it and then you would have to go to where the map was mm-hmm. and you would get the map to the Triforce piece and then you have to go find no you have to get deciphered then for oh. 400 rupees yeah. and then you could go find the actual piece of the Triforce right so what was that you had to, eight times you had to pay 400 rupees or it was like 398 or something dumb <laughs> yeah, yeah, there were eight pieces. From Tingle. Uh, <laughs> Tingle was this awful elf dude. He's in his 30s. <laughs> he just wants to be an elf. Oh. Yeah. It's no, even he, worse. He wants to be a fairy. <laughs> it's even worse. That's right, he wants to be a fairy. He, uh, and then he would fly and be annoying. I couldn't stand him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely built to be annoying, though, so... So I don't um, hate the game anymore because it was designed that way. <laughs> right. So after you do all the dungeons, you have to go collect the Triforce piece. It kind of had that that same sense of adventuring yep. that wasn't in the dungeon. You had to go through the whole world to continue on your quest. So yep. you got to journey around the whole sea. The Great Sea, in fact. Yep. <laughs> it was... Um... I actually enjoyed it. It was a nice uh, change of pace, even yeah. though there was some grinding to it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the battle system and what makes it the best of all the Zeldas. So it, it was after Ocarina of Time, which had the Z targeting. Yep. Which it was the first 3D Zelda, and it was I think the wasn't it one of the first games to do with a targeting system like that yes yeah, like not even in Zelda or Nintendo just in general it's one of the first games if not the first that started targeting don't yeah. quote me on it but I remember it being something like that Z-targeting was definitely um, for Ocarina of Time it was definitely like their like a te- technological f- like feat that made battles more personal because you were positioned right behind Link the camera moved with him and you yeah. were facing down the enemy yeah so kind of related from the adventure game to the more action game. So Wind Waker improved on that by keeping the Z targeting, but probably renamed like L or something for the GameCube. For, I think it was L targeting. But you also were able to do abilities with Link. You could roll around more easily. You mm-hmm. can counter. Yep. You can parry. And you can do the helm splitter attack. Yeah. The most satisfying one ever. One little tiny Link whose sword is as big as him jumps over the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> might be like 10 feet tall and just smacks his head. <laughs> My favorite one's uh, the one where he, where he uh, <clears throat> rolls behind them. The, the counter one? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, the combat in Wind Waker was just more dynamic. Um, 
so yeah, as Parker was getting into, um, you know, Ocarina of Time had like your basic sword swinging and uh, special attacks and stuff and tools. Uh, Wind Waker took that to the next level, uh, and this all ties back to the theme of Wind Waker, which is um, Link having emotions and the whole cartoony style and everything is in a way over exaggerated right link would have over exaggerated you know facial feet uh facial emotions um kind of over exaggerated strikes like palm splitter and stuff <laughs> was it the, the one face which you all can't see but chris can uh... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. like biting his lower lip so hard face <laughs> yeah. yeah it was a good face guys um but something else about the battles that was really cool was also tied to the music. Oh, music, yes. music in Wind Waker was really pretty, just between the ocean theme and then just all the really nice themes, which I know Chris loves his dragon roost. Oh, Wind Waker has... Okay. Wind Waker... <laughs> Wind Waker and Ocarina of Time... Ooh, I, I have a hard time deciding between the two. I think Wind Waker edges out Ocarina of Time... Dragon Roost Island, probably one of the greatest video game songs ever, um, next to Frog's theme from Chrono Trigger. <laughs> um, Outset Island, amazing. Battle theme, amazing. Sea theme, amazing. Mini boss theme. Mini boss theme, amazing. Favorites. Ancient Hero, the the title thing, title introduction <clears throat> sequence. Hero of the Winds plays one time, and it's awesome. Which one's Hero of the Winds? It's the one where. You get the completed Triforce, and King of Red Lions calls you the new hero, and then uh, the song plays, oh, and it's really, yes. really quiet and just like it builds up. Yes, yeah, yeah. They, the music, they did such a good job, um, adding to the feel of the game with the music. It it just um, it just goes back to the theme of everything just comes together so perfectly. Right. And where I was going with the music and the battle is every, and it kind of it ties into that adventurous, fun theme, is every hit, the oh, theme yes. kind of jumps up an octave, or I don't even know the correct musical t- way to describe it, but it has like a, a flash of hit. Uh, bam! Bam! Yeah, yeah. Bam! Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, they like added... Sped like, it up and turn it up or something. They like yeah added like an extra layer of like staccato like strong staccato notes of like bah like when you hit them and then it it was with the music like you you know it, yeah. it's like your typical like battle music like you're like facing off against each other and you're like how do I want to strike them right and then when you hit them you hear like the duh and you're like oh like oh it was like it 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 wasn't just like a sword hitting someone and you hear like like that slashing sound it was like like string instruments doing the sound for you because it was going with the music and it you know what I didn't I didn't never really like thought about it like the each battle was so like theatrical in that sense yeah huh with all the there was tons of explosions too because of the whole wind <laughs> theme that everything had wind and it was a part of the pretty game when there yeah. was little explosions there were little puffs of smoke that were really yeah powerful and pretty <laughs> <laughs> um yeah the yeah wind waker so the battle system was also going with the music and then it was really dynamic you 
like I was saying earlier, you, you face off normally, and then you can, like, slash, vertical, horizontal, you can counter, you can, like, attack in, and it uh, it, it just brought Toon Link into, like, a, another whole level of control. You felt like he can do more, and you can tell him to do what you want, and you just felt, like, I don't know, more attached to him in that sense. Right, and so the same way when we first saw him and we didn't care for him that much, except you, the hipster of the crew, I'm guessing. Of course, of course. Um, we, we, did, weren't, we weren't excited about it because it wasn't Ocarina. It wasn't what we were expecting. And then when you play as it, when you play the game and you play as Link and he's doing all these expressions, and he's rolling and he's yelling, and you just, you like it. Yeah. So... Didn't like it at first, but now it is one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it's great. And the music, I'm gonna go back to the music, <laughs> listen to it. It's amazing. Um, Chris has put all the views on the 10-hour Dragon Roost on YouTube. Those are all Chris's views. <laughs> yeah, all mine. <laughs> I even, I even have like a terrible remix um, somewhere out there. Oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, Wind Waker, yeah, Wind Waker's all about, I guess, like, the, the theme of it, and how everything that they did just really comes together, and adds to each other, in, in, like, yeah, in a really unique way that other Zeldas, um, I mean, they, they did in their own different way, but I think Wind Waker definitely did it the most, so, that's why I love it. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I love Wind Waker. Yeah. All right. Great number two choice, Parker. <coughs> Thank you. Um, Wind Waker, top. Wind Waker is number two. Majora's Mask is number one. We will talk about that during the Zelda podcast, though. Yeah. Uh, how, how does Wind Waker rank overall in your gaming ranking list? Top? Are we two. top ten? Yeah, I'm, I'm being serious, too. Overall? Like, yeah. of all games? Yeah. Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, wow. Wind Waker's awesome. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, so number three game. So this is kind of, it's not my top three, but it's definitely one of the games that I just, I love so much, and I've played a lot of it. And it kind of ties into that core group of games that you've played by yourself, but also that I've played with my friends a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to talk about Mass Effect. Especially number three with the multiplayer, which oh. is <laughs> it's it's so weird that one of my top games I want to talk about is just because of a tacked on addition to a game, but the game itself was great. Yeah, and so I'm happy to talk about it up until the last hour, and then I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you want to hear about the last hour of Mass Effect, please go to episode 16 and watch it. It's all about Mass Effect and the ending and why why it's terrible and why it's not terrible and it's a mess so i have to preface that i didn't listen to it yet because it is two and a half hours <laughs> i wasn't going to mention that part <laughs> i'm bringing it up to, so that uh the audience knows that if i repeat something that we've talked about in that i'm sorry but also you can be my mc and guide me into different things but i will be happy to talk about the rest of the things that happen in it yeah yeah and spoilers i'm sorry Kristen. What? Oh <laughs> no, this is okay. Okay, okay, but we will be talking about a little bit. I'm gonna focus on the multiplayer, but I will talk about some of the. Has has some of our audience not played Mass Effect? I have played part of the first one, 
I always get stuck on the same part. Uh, but I've played the second one like eight times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not going to go too much into detail. I'm going to talk mostly about the themes and the way Bioware wrapped up stuff in the game. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because throughout Mass Effect 3, it's tying up all the loose ends and all the character stories that's been driving the series. Yeah. And so we know that they can do a pretty good ending. Yeah. But when it counted, they didn't do that at the actual ending. But yeah. for like single character stories for uh, Dr. Solis, Morden. Oh, yes, 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 of course. He, his character arc is incredible. And yeah. he ends, the way his character story ends is amazing. Yes. It, um, honestly, when I first met Morden, I thought he was a scrub. I didn't like him. What? I'm sorry. What? When I first met him, oh my God. I was like, this guy is a dweeb. But he sings. <laughs> he is a noob. And uh, he is not coming to my party with Garrus, who's cool. That's true. And me. And, um, and you know, whoever is the hottie of the, of the moment, probably Miranda. Um, Miranda. <laughs> oh, Miranda. <laughs> you broke my heart. Um, but... Um. Yeah. So, sorry. So, Morden became awesome though. Like, the more you get to know him, the more you're like, "Whoa!" Well, that was the cool thing about the second game is you had all these the the loyalty missions. Yeah, you were able to actually hang out with that character specifically, go through their backstory, get them a little redemption, so that they like you then, and then they will be more likely to survive the ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get to you get to like them more too. Ah, which two is amazing. Yeah. Two is two is amazing in that respect. It is a great feat of video gaming. The way that it's built and the way that you play it and the way yeah. that the end is the common uh the payoff of everything you've done. Yes. Is how well you do at the end. Yeah. The yeah. But what I'm gonna talk about three. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> two is awesome. Um. Yeah, the so game. The game's tied together so well, but so I and Par- Parker probably agrees. I like to think of Mass Effect Three, the entire game, as the ending. That is how I. That is how I view Mass Effect Three as a game. Yeah, I mean, all the problems are there, and now we're just solving them or finding a way to lessen them. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. You spend so long on Mass Effect 1 and 2, and you hear the same problems over and over. You know, the genophage, the uh, migrant fleet, like, all these problems of all these races. The Rachni. Yeah. yeah the, um, As, the Corian situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, the relations between races. Yeah. Um, yeah, alien, the different races. The species. Species, thank you. Um, Asari and Justicar or something like that. I think they're related. They're in the past. Just the cars are cool too. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. There are just all these problems that you heard about from one and two, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like they're they're huge problems too, right? They're affecting entire planets, and you're like, "Wow!" Ones with not easy answers too. Yeah, and three is able to go through these and tie them up. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember the three big problems that you face is between the genophage and the krogans. Yep if you should cure them or not and what are the implications of that yes then there's also the geth versus quarian it's like do the geth deserve to be 
brought into the fold, are they considered life at this point type yeah. of thing? Like, heavy questions that the game finds a satisfying way to conclude all those things. Yeah, yep. And, um... And you can... The game did a great job of concluding them, uh, you know, the best way possible. But, I mean, it's Mass Effect, so that... That also means that when you conclude them, you don't... It, you don't have it's to... It's not all sunshine and rainbows. You don't... Yeah, right? you, can, you can choose to not conclude them um, the happy way. And to you, that might that might be the happy way, even though, you know, um, the you know even though people in the game would be disappointed um, because you're not helping them. But uh, you know, in in its own way, it's also really cool to have like your you know your choice of how you want to affect the universe. And that's one of the really cool parts is by the end of the game. It's shaped and it's been your story as much as everyone's been experiencing it at their different consoles. It is now your shepherd who's gone through and you've chosen what you wanted to do through the universe. Yeah. Yep. So that's why it's really cool. And the same reason that everyone is so disappointed at the ending is because it did all these cool things that you did to you, your universe. Yep. And it just basically ignored them. Yep. Yeah. It. Yeah, they did not give you any choices at all. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, which cupcake would you like? <laughs> yeah. Um, I I talked about uh, the Krogan and the Genophage multiple times in this podcast series, but I'm going to talk about it again. Okay. Um, I thought the Krogans were um bullies. I thought they were mean in Mass Effect One and Two. I did not want to save them. I said, um, Rex, you know. You talk brutish, and you you seem like a punk, and I think that the um who was it? What well, what race was it that um? Solarians. Yeah, I I'm like Morden's race. Morden's race, right? I'm like I I think the Solarians did the right thing with the genophage, and I hope that you guys are able to reproduce, but not at a high rate because you guys are scary. And then I played Mass Effect three, and I was wrong about everything I thought and I was like as I got to know Rex better and throughout the series as I got to meet more Krogans as I went into their home planet I was like wow I am probably a racist <laughs> throughout one and two but um but they were awesome people they turned out to be you know um not people but you know they're not awesome people well wait are not humans but they're okay okay I like that <laughs> Um, did you, did you, did you or anyone in the last podcast talk about not transferring over data? Did you ever play three without Rex in it? <laughs> oh no, we all transferred. Yeah. Okay, because I think if I remember right, it is canon that Rex dies in the first game. It's canon? No way. I think so. When you don't transfer anything, Rex is never there. So if you play through three without Rex, you do not want to save the Krogan. His brother is in charge, and he's a dick. Oh, yeah. He's a complete oh, yeah. dick. Who's that other dude? Oh, Reeve. Yeah. yeah, he you, Yeah. <laughs> so No it, way! Yeah, it's it's cool when you save Rex, because Rex in the first game, you can keep him alive, but you can also kind of do... The first game had loyal, uh, kind of loyalty missions. Yeah, you had to make choices. Yeah, but it was kind of like the Mass Effect 2 loyalty missions, where yeah. you they're like, hey, I kind of have an issue. Would you help me out? It wasn't like... 
a super sanctioned like mission and you wouldn't you didn't know exactly what you were going into it was just kind of like a normal thing yeah but the characters responded to that if you did it in the first game and you continued on with Rex you were pros you're like fist bumped you're like Rex what's up and he's like yeah. Yeah, that was really good that was such a good impression so in the second game when you go back to uh, Kachanka and you meet uh, Rex in charge there and he's like what's up my brother yeah and you're like your friends and he wants what's best for his people not because he wants to get revenge but he just wants to be back to his people being strong yeah yeah he's he's learned that it was I mean he's still angry but it was kind of like the right thing to do at the time yeah even though how horrible and crazy it was they were they were being I can't quite remember the lore but I'm pretty sure it was a little justified in the way that Krogans were behaving not okay this okay this is getting weird (laughs) I can't ever say genocide and shit is justified <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I mean um yeah I mean I, I've already said that uh, that I despise the Krogan on 1 and 2 and I thought the Solarian so you know I'm already on that okay. on the terrible boat but anyways when playing 3 without Rex is a different experience because you don't really want to save the Krogans at all huh that blows my mind that's crazy yeah I played 2 without previous data Rex just sucks <laughs> he wasn't in it. Reeve was in it. I'm sorry, not. Yeah, yeah Reeve. Yeah, Reeve, Reeve is a dick. Oh yeah, that punk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah but it's really cool because you you learn about the Krogans and you're like, oh, I I like them uh, a lot more. They're not just, especially from Rex. You're like, they're not just you know brute bullies that um, that remind me of you know the bullies of my old days. A nerd. <laughs> Getting shoved in lockers. Yeah. That was a tight squeeze, guys. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, they, you know, they had, they cared about things, you know, they had emotions. They, they weren't just angry about their revenge, but they actually cared about, you know, the future of their, um, species. And so, uh, it, yeah, it mattered. It was like, it was like, oh, you know, you guys are, you know, um, I, it's so weird because I, I want to say, you know, you guys are human beings, but they're not. You know, they're you guys are sentient beings. We're all the same. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I can't believe I ever wanted to to um, to agree with the Salarians. I mean, that was but, one of the really cool things about the world building of Mass Effect. Is yeah. that everyone, I mean, it was kind of for the sake of, because it's being a game made by us, but everyone felt so human, not as a homo sapien but as one of us, yeah. we're all the same yeah. in this universe type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's a little bit different, but in the long run, everyone just wants the same thing. Right. Yeah. And uh, speaking of weird racism, I just wanted to point out that in the Mass Effect series, there's no intra-human racism because humans all gathered together and became proud of just being human because there were other species in the universe and so it's just one of those cool things i've always said that the only way that we're gonna stop fighting on this planet is to be invaded by aliens (laughs) (laughs) true world peace (laughs) (laughs) through the brotherhood of killing other things (laughs) that aren't us (laughs) oh man okay so let's talk about the gameplay of mass effect 3 it just was it took the best of the first game and the second game and yep. put them together. 
and cleaned it. And cleaned it up. Yeah. First game had the super RPG elements. I mean, as Western as an RPG can get. Yeah. Uh, you choose all these different abilities. You end up with tons of different for. Uh, it was biotics, but it was another f- just form of magic. Yeah, you just had tons of magic abilities, whether they be physical uh, gravity-based magic or electrical tech magic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the second game kind of did away with having multiple spells and just put you in having just two or three, I think. Yeah, and you can switch them around, right? Or yes, everyone, everyone, I think had two except Shepard. Who had uh, multiples. Right, right, right. Okay. And then third game cleaned it up in that the main storyline, I believe ended, everyone ended up with four or five. Four. I remember there's that weird, like, grid thing, right? Right. It's not the same as multiplayer. Oh. Multiplayer, everyone ended up with just two or three abilities. But I think in single player, everyone ended up with four. I don't know. I haven't played single player in a while because I've played a lot of multiplayer. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, they just cleaned up. It was the action of the second game with the RPG elements of the first game, and it was just it was just exciting to continue doing the story and resolving everything, seeing everything that you've dealt with up until then, just getting a clean resolution. Yeah, except for the last hour. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you know, no. you know the <laughs> don't want to talk about it. <laughs> the the, uh, the multiplayer. Is something that uh, we never really touched upon oh, that's, in the series. That is the reason I'm bringing this up. I have played with um, most of my friends doing this. You, we, Josh, John, John, really? Yeah, John. I think Matt and Jeremy. I believe no, Jeremy. I think Matt as well. I can't quite remember because you guys didn't play as long as me and Josh did. I just wanted to say really quick that there was a point in time in the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer universe, which is, you know, an act, just, you know, the actual, like, server rankings and stuff, that uh, Parker and Josh were, like, number, like, were, like, top five in the N7 rankings at, at some point. And it was, like, a good, like, year into the game, so it wasn't just, like, we just started early or anything. Like, they... They kept at it. It was it was impressive. <laughs> uh, we've fallen off the wagon. <laughs> but yeah, Josh and I played an awful lot of that for a kind of a game mode that was tacked on that no one really wanted in a single player experience. It yeah. ended up being really fun. I mean, a little broken, yeah. but still really fun. Yeah, it had kind of a difficulty wall that was sometimes unfair. Yeah, but not so unfair that you could work around it with good teamwork and just knowing how to do things in the game. Yeah. And it was fun with all the different loadouts, because you didn't get to choose which abilities you brought. You chose characters that were pre-built with abilities. Mm-hmm. And then you could choose where to put the skill points. So a lot of the metagame was just putting those skill points in different situations and finding combos that work with those characters and weapons that work with them. And they, Bioware kept up with it because how successful it was. They gave us four DLCs, I think, that were free. Yeah, yeah. And every DLC added, maybe it was even five. Really? I I stopped at like three. I can't remember. I think it was, it might have been five. But each DLC added new characters, new weapons... And sometimes huge changes like the addition of 
uh, other equipments that you can bring with you. Mm-hmm. And it just it just kept the game going. I think I was playing it two years or maybe even three years after the game was out. Wow. Still. Nice. Josh and I still get the hankering every once in a while. We're like, we need to play Mass Effect. And we do for hours. And then at three in the morning, we're like, okay, I have work in the morning. I have uh, no more. <laughs> but we had just lost a game, so we have to do another one. And on high note. <laughs> I, um, I actually tried playing Mass Effect 3 like a few months ago, multiplayer. And I, I like completely forgot how to play. I did like bronze mode, like the easiest one possible, and I got destroyed. And I was like, I forgot. Everything. We'll carry you through platinum. Oh my gosh, I I just want to remember how to play again. But um, yeah. Well, uh, okay. So how the I guess how the whole character system worked really quick is that you had a bunch of classes you can choose. So like soldier, you know, adept, vanguard. And you can level them up to 20, unless mm-hmm. it got higher. You can 20. Up, you can level up to 20. And as you level up to 20, you get, like, a skill point or however many. And you can um, as- assign them into, like, a tree, right? So then, you know, you could yeah. choose... You would get like, a few choices, and you can choose which one you want. And in that sense, your vanguard was kind of personalized with different builds and some, like, synergized with each other and stuff. So uh, you had that. And uh, do you want? Yeah, do you want to get into like how the gameplay worked, like when you enter the arena and stuff? It was it was a horde mode. It wasn't PvP. It was PVE. So yeah. it was waves of enemies mm-hmm. with random objectives thrown in. These they were not like a forward moving map. It was an arena map. Yeah. There, I mean, it was like a playground. There were ladders, cover, <laughs> uh, different areas, some rooms you can go in. But it was it was basically just a glorified arena. And the first couple waves were you just killing a bunch of enemies mm-hmm. while they converged upon you. With their unfair AI who just constantly knew where you were. Another kind of like, it was just tacked on, so a lot of the stuff was a little <laughs> a little janky. Um, and then you had random objectives, like delivering uh, high-value uh, packages to the home base, or hacking a certain area, or escorting a drone. Yeah. And then you would do all that while... That was one of the DLCs. They added a new objective. Oh, I was like, it's getting a drone. Yeah. Um, and all the while fighting off enemies. And you could do that with a bunch of different combos and just having teammates working together in cover or out of cover, depending on how brave you were. Yep, yep. And it, it was just... There was something weirdly satisfying about it. Yeah. Just once you get into the groove and you start just mowing down enemies... Because while it was a team game, there was still a score counter, and you could always you'd always be checking your score just because. <laughs> and Josh and I had a lot of fun times just comparing scores. <laughs> I usually beat him. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Calling you out, Joshua. <laughs> um, yeah, there. So yeah, so the game was. Uh, it felt the system was a lot like single player. You could hide behind things. You know, uh, come out of cover, shoot them, or shoot shoot some biotics or whatever at them, and then go back into cover. Um, or if you're like way stronger than the bad guys, so you could just go in and just mow them all down. And it depends on your loadout. You can choose different guns, like shotguns, snipers. Um, yeah, destroy things, and then like certain classes were meant to just go out there and destroy them too. So um, it was a really fun system. I personally stopped playing because. 
Um, I find satisfaction in killing noobs on the internet that have that are real people on the other side. Um, but I mean, besides that, so it felt um, a little unsatisfying just because I like you know PvP. But besides that, it was it was honestly great. Like they uh, they made a ragtag system multiplayer system, and it turned out really well. Like, yeah, they, it was something tacked onto the game, and it ended up being long outlived to the lifespan of the game. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you go online, you can still find people playing. This is a couple years after the game has been out. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. incredible. <laughs> and we find new players when Josh and I play, too. Mm. So people are still jumping in. Interesting. Anyways, something to be excited about the next Mass Effect game is that they're going to be building more multiplayer. From oh. What I, I think I read that. Mass Effect Andromeda. Mm. Yes. Um. Yeah, I just want to. I just want to snipe things now in Mass Effect Three. <laughs> it was just really fun. <laughs> yeah, I I get a lot more satisfaction out of beating the computer. I'm not I'm not big on fighting other people like mm. you, because I usually lose to other people, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have as much fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We have some of us have a pretty uh pretty big competitive nature. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah well okay there's there's some people I won't name that have more competitiveness to than I do but uh, there's definitely some in me especially in Super Smash Bros. Melee <laughs> um, but yeah yeah Mass Effect 3 was it was the multiplayer really added on to the game in a surprising way yeah it was like when because you... it was part of the story as well. Yes, yes. While Shepard was doing his thing, gathering resources to fight the big bad Reapers. Your multiplayer was just an elite squad who was doing random objectives and missions to further the cause. Yeah, so, galactic readiness. Yeah, so the each multiplayer round was a, a story in itself. Yeah, it was this group of uh, guys or gals who were going in to do some missions to just further the cause beat yep. some reapers or other assortments of bad guys yeah yeah it was uh it was yeah it was really neat and when you because you're so attached to mass effect and the story and the series the lore of the world is incredible yeah. yeah and so when when it ends when mass effect 3 ends and you're like um and you're like i don't want it to end that's how i felt i i just didn't want it to end and so when it ended it I thought, like, oh, man, like, I'm going to feel super empty for, like, a while and be, like, super sad because, like, the series is over and stuff. But then multiplayer was there. And when I finished Mass Effect 3, the first thing I did was play multiplayer. And I was like, wow, like, this is incredibly fun. And it it felt like I could still be part of the galaxy um, in a really simple and fun way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it was satisfying. Just it just it just furthered everything that you were doing. Yeah. 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 So Mass Effect Andromeda, what are your thoughts on it? I've seen pictures. <laughs> I have seen how it fits into the lore, and that's interesting. So it yeah. could be fun. I mean, I know it's going to be fun. I am assuming. I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah. But I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We. Um... Yeah, we all hope that there is going to be some um, relation to the to the Shepard series of Mass Effect. Uh, I think we'll know about them. 
the way that the it's set up is that they know it. They know everything that happened up until the last hour. What do you mean? So the way Andromeda is set up is that there was a secret uh, flotilla on standby in our galaxy. And what happened is they were on readiness to just bug out because they found some ancient mass relay that sent them to another galaxy. Okay. Which hasn't... I mean, everything in the Mass Effect series has been in the Milky Way galaxy. Yes. So we're talking about a completely different galaxy here that no characters that we know of are from or have witnessed. Right. I mean, the Reapers are not from our galaxy. They're from the dark space outside of our galaxy. Right. So we're talking, like, beyond the dark space area. Right. And there were... You would hear instances of, you know, people disappearing, technology going crazy, and, and you know, things happen. So anyways, Andromeda set up that there's this flotilla that found this relay that sent to a new galaxy and it's been funded by all the top scientists like Hackett knew about it the Admiral that you always talk to yeah, in the yeah, games yeah, yeah. Uh, Liara was in on it as well type of thing and so this flotilla was on standby just in case everything went bad so during the last hour of Mass Effect 3 or so when Shepard goes up into the place and disappears for a while yeah, and they're like where's Shepard oh my god what's happening they just assume the worst, and they're like, Flotilla, bug out. So the Flotilla leaves before you choose your colorful ending. So, everything that's happened up in Mass Effect up until then is known by them, and they leave. This is um, a local cast, so Parker can see the surprise on my face (laughs) and how excited I am for Mass Effect Andromeda and how awesome what he just told me is, because I didn't know that. That's incredible. Like, I am so excited. That is so cool. Oh my gosh, this is why Mass Effect is the best. <laughs> like, like it's it's future technology, and it's things that, um, that we don't have today, and so Bioware comes up with all these cool ideas, right? Like, they, they're free to make their universe and their technology do whatever they want, and Garrus. And, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and what a neat idea to create a flotilla and say... Just, just in case, we created a code red emergency plan for our galaxy. Like, like you know. I mean, it's kind of like a uh, uh, kind of a plot device that they just made up on the spot. But at the same part, it works to get us into a new area. Yeah. Because now we don't have to deal with all the fallout of what happened at the end of Mass Effect Three. Yeah, and part of the Mass Effect universe is that it's so free, right? They explain it as a you know a vast amount of space. Plenty of things happen that we don't know about, that um, that we aren't you know we aren't even aware exists. It's all about how big space is. When yeah, and there's no way that we can fathom it. Yeah, how big space is. Yeah, and it's all plausible. Like you're like, okay, I accept it. Like we've seen crazy things happen. Mm-hmm. Like like you know, okay, <laughs> it's awesome. So cool. Very well designed universe. And I'm glad we get to go back. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I miss Mass Effect universe. Um, but yeah, do you have uh, any final thoughts on Mass Effect 3? Uh, that I'm just excited to go home and play it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, uh, I say this every, after every cast, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go play some Mass Effect 3. because yeah, Mass Effect 3 is the place where you don't have to play as a human. You can play as all the fun alien races that you love as well. Yeah. And that's one of the coolest parts about it, is you can play as all your favorite races. Yeah. Which are, are the Krogan now? 
I love the Krogan. I like playing as the Geth. Oh, oh, interesting. Okay. Turians are awesome as well, though. Mm. Mm. Oh, interesting. Mm. I like Krogans and humans. Just <laughs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, awesome top three, Parker. Uh, we got Wind Waker, which is number two. Uh, Golden Sun series, or Golden Sun, sorry, one and two, and Mass Effect three. Um, solid choices. Uh, thank you so much for coming over for yeah, our yeah. This was fun. Thank our you. local cast. It, it was it was different, but really exciting. Um, if there's any quality differences on the cast, it's because we're using a different setup because we're not on a Skype call. But uh, we'll see how it turns out. Uh, thank you, live audience, Kristen, for being here. <laughs> it was great. She has a fun top three to do as well. I do. Yeah. Uh, we'll do it before the Zelda episode. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that'll happen. It's going to blow your mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, for tonight, guys, this is episode 17 of NPC Talk. My name is Inkronaut, here with Parker, also known as Argonaut, and Kristen. And for tonight, guys, we are out. Have a good night. Good night. Thank you. Bye.